0: Welcome to Citizens Climate Radio, your climate change podcast. In this show, we highlight people's stories, we celebrate your successes, and together we share strategies for talking about climate change. I'm your host, Peterson Toscano. Welcome to episode 80 of Citizens Climate Radio, a project of Citizens Climate Education. This episode is airing on Friday, January 27th, 2023. In today's show, Tamara Staten joins us for another installment of The Resilience Corner. You will also meet three new team members here at Citizens Climate Radio. Ruth, Lila, and Zach are recent college graduates. They will tell you a little bit about themselves, and they will weigh in about the topic in today's episode. In today's show, we look at the power of imagination, something absolutely essential when addressing climate change. Sean Degg, a Citizens Climate volunteer in New York State, helps us to engage our imagination. He has a thought exercise that will give you a chance to travel to the future. Dr. Natasha Dijonette, a leading environmental health researcher, will share her vision of the future. But first, a climate change communications expert updates us about what has happened since the last time she was on the show. Now, when it comes to creative climate communications, no other episode has influenced me more than episode 39, Envisioning and Communicating Climate Successes. In that episode, I shared a mind-expanding future imaging thought exercise conducted by Sean Degg. We also featured Blair Bazarich from the San Francisco Zoo and Hannah Pickard. They are both part of a group called NOKI, N-N-O-C-C-I. Blair and Hannah stressed we need to pivot away from gloom and doom climate stories. Instead, we need to shift the conversation to the future, especially to the impacts of climate solutions. Hannah stresses effective climate communication begins with messages that are formed around our values. She shares two values that have been proven to move people to action.
1: Protecting the people and the places that we love and or responsibly managing our resources. Those are two values that are very strong within American culture. It gets reinforced in a lot of different ways, protecting the people and the places that we love and or responsibly managing our resources. Those two values also allow us to align climate action with other social issues. And the more we can align with and connect social issues together, the better we're going to be and the better we're going to find solutions that actually work for everybody. You don't go from why it matters to a laundry list of the things we're about to experience or are experiencing because that becomes really overwhelming. We need to shift as climate communicators as like a field to painting the picture of what this looks like when we've achieved our goals because it's so much easier to sustain long-term action when you know what you're what you're trying to achieve as opposed to what you're trying to avoid. How, how we center climate communications around the vision for the future that's not just one of survival, but is one where we would be excited to live in that. Oh, I actually want my city to, yes, be climate resilient. I'm not sure what that means. But then when somebody starts telling me, oh, that within five minutes of every. Every person who lives in Boston, they'll have walking access to a park. That's a city I want to live in. Yes, I want faster public transportation. That's a city that I would want to make sure I stay in. The way I refer to it when it happened to me was that it like activated these kind of civic muscles that I didn't know that I had, or like that were just latent. And that just breeds more and more hope, which is what we need, and more and more community. It's our responsibility as climate communicators to be spreading climate hope because otherwise we're in trouble.
0: More and more research confirms that a focus on a hopeful future based on solutions works. Hannah told me about some of the findings out of Yale Climate Communications.
1: According to them, hopeful Americans are more likely to talk with their friends and family. They're more likely to support transitions to renewable sources of energy and act civically for change. That's what we want to be seeing.
0: Hannah reveals another important reason for us to focus on a helpful future especially for those of us doing climate work.
1: Thinking about climate change, even thinking about it regularly is really difficult. And we want to invite more and more people into space where we're talking about climate change, but that also brings some mental health risks that we're inviting people into a space, into a community that's suffering. We're seeing the effects of climate all around us and we can't escape it. So being able to be in community, be hopeful find ways to support each other. These are all things that help build resilience to those mental health impacts.
0: At Noki, they realize they need to do more than train people on how to be effective climate communicators. They need to build a supportive community.
1: Socially and emotionally supporting each other has always been very critical, especially to our training process. But in the last two and a half years, we've really turned a light on that as a focus for why we exist as a member organization, because it's not just this kind of evangelist, like we're going to train you, you're going to be the best communicator, you're going to know how to tell a story. It's really hard because I don't think we're good at talking about mental health or about the benefits of being with each other in this. That's new. That's been, since I think January, kind of my newest push beyond just we need to give people a vision for the future. It's like we need to start being really vocal about how hard this work is and the the good things we get out of it personally in order to refuel ourselves. Otherwise, we're not modeling that for these new folks who are coming into the fold and have no idea how to handle it.
0: To learn about the work of Noki and their excellent online training programs, visit climateinterpreter.org. I also have links to Noki in our show notes. Sean Deng is a software engineer. He's also the group leader for the Mid-Hudson South chapter of Citizens Climate Lobby and He has a superpower. Sean helps us unlock our imaginations. We featured him back in episode 39, along with Hannah Pickard. Sean had us imagine a world without fossil fuels. For Hannah, this experiment had a deep impact.
1: And really changed how I help other people come to the table. And like I instruct people to listen, not even to me on the podcast, but the last 10 minutes. Because to me, that was a really important moment.
0: Dr. Natasha Dijarnet also found the exercise very helpful. A frequent guest on the show, Dr. Dijarnet has spoken about environmental racism and justice, the health risks for coal miners, and much more. In order to imagine a better world, we need to see the trouble we are currently in and to see it with clear eyes. When it comes to the current state of our world, Dr. D. hears it captured in a song.
2: Marvin Gaye's What's Going On album keeps echoing in my head. And from What's Going On, just some words are standing out to me. Brother, 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 there's far too many of us dying. Picket lines and picket signs don't punish me with brutality. And then from his song Mercy, Mercy Me, where did all the blue skies go? Poison is the wind that blows from the north and the south and east. This is standing out to me as the current soundtrack. And these are beautiful songs, but they're capturing some heartbreaking times and still as relevant as when they were written as as they are right now.
0: At my breakout group at the recent Citizens Climate Virtual Conference, I had the nearly 500 participants open up their imaginations As they walk through Sean's experiment, they got to travel to another time to envision a whole new world. So I invite you to take the next three minutes to let your creative mind wander, imagine, and dream. I share with you Sean's experiment. What will the world be like without fossil fuels? Then you will hear people reading some of the hundreds of responses I received from the participants in the online breakout session.
3: When we talk about what the future looks like in climate change, we often talk about all the bad things that happen. And that's important, that's an important part of the story, but it's important to think about how the world would just change, and a lot of these are, are good changes, and really like think through kind of all of our senses about what that would be like. Just imagine this whole new world you walk out your front door what would actually look different in a world where we've gotten off of fossil fuels like as you look around as you look at homes what's different about them how are they different than they are today what's in your driveway how's that different How do you get around? What do you see in the world that you didn't before? What's missing? And not just what you see, but engage your other senses. What does the world smell like? What smells are missing that were there before? What do, you, what do you smell that you never could before because it was covered over in pollution? What does the world sound like? What does your street sound like? How is that different than it was before? What new things are you hearing in your yard, on your front door? in your neighborhood. You know, what do things feel like like when you touch them? Right? We used to have light bulbs that changing a light bulb would burn your hands, and we don't anymore. Just everyday objects in our in our homes uh, outside, how do they feel different? How does just walking along the street feel different? And how does that make you feel? What are the things that that we have gained? What are the things that we have lost? Just imagine this whole new world. Because if we can't imagine this world, we can't create it.
0: As we did the breakout session, people in the chat section of Zoom typed in what they imagined would be in the world and what would be missing. You won't hear those loud lawnmowers and leaf blowers waking you up when you want to sleep in. You won't see or smell the exhaust from cars, trucks, and buses burning fossil fuels. You won't feel it burn your throat and lungs or constrict your breathing. Parking lots will be cleaner too without all those oil and grease stains. More importantly though, a world without fossil fuels is full of wonderful
4: things.
2: Family and friends outside together.
4: Seeing mountains that were once invisible behind the smog.
5: Bike lanes in every city and town. Clear
4: blue sky. Clear
3: blue sky. Clear blue sky.
5: (laughs) Children running and playing without asthma.
3: Rich, loamy soil that sequesters carbon. Reliable and clean public transportation.
4: Windmills. Open windows. People walking.
6: And solar panels on every roof. Birds.
4: Stars. Fresh
3: air. Bees. Birds. 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 Quiet. Bicycles. Star. Quiet.
2: Fresh, Fresh air. Air. Birds. Birds.
0: Bicycles. Stars. Birds. 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 Fresh air. flowers, Bees. Stars.
2: Fresh air.
0: More birds. Stars. Stars.
2: Stars. Fresh
7: air. Stars. Quiet. Bicycles. Stars. Stars. Flowers.
2: Cool birds, crisp, Cricicl- Crus- quiet, birds, Bird. Bird. stars, quiet, blue stars, birds,
3: and flowers, birds, Flower.
2: flowers, White. flowers,
3: flowers, people, birds, like. flowers, quiet, cool. crisp,
2: birds,
0: clear, blue sky,
5: stars, Bicycles, stars, fresh air, fresh air. birds, bees, Bee.
2: bicycles, flowers, children running and playing without asthma.
5: Stars,
2: fresh air, bees.
0: And for Dr. Natasha DeDrenette, what does the future look like, smell like? What does it sound like?
2: In short, what I want to see is a more beautiful world. But not just that, I also see a healthier world. I see a world with less asthma, less heart disease, less complications with psychotropic medications and heat, less injuries less destruction in the places where we live, work, learn, play, and pray. That's what the world looks like to me. It sounds like Louis Armstrong's What a Wonderful World. I see trees of green, red roses too. I see the bloom for me and you. And I think to myself, what a wonderful world. That's what I hear. More tangibly, I hear the sounds of children playing outside, laughing, free from environmental induced asthma, running around with not a care in the world, healthy. What does it smell like? It smells like fresh air. It smells like no toxic industrial fumes in our neighborhood. To me, that smells like possibility. We can't address climate change without addressing inequities. So a hundred years from now, I see a more just world. I see our most vulnerable populations with enhanced quality of life. I see children, older adults, people of color, people who live in lower income communities. I see them having better quality of life because They are at the center of the decision making when it comes to addressing climate change. I see our frontline communities no longer living on the fence line of polluters. I see our coastal communities no longer displaced by sea level rise. I see former coal mine communities thriving with new well-paying industry. I see communities that were former burdened with injustice, now achieving equity. Communities that utilize health in all policies framework and emphasize health equity for all, these societies will have policies that ensure climate action protects health and protects equity. All policies protect health and equity, and it protects our most vulnerable. And and I see this underscored by Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King's wise words, injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. So I see that being what underscores how we move forward.
6: Hi all, I'm Ruth Abraham, a recent graduate of Washington and Lee University. I studied and hope to continue studying the intersection of economics and environmental studies. I hope to use that knowledge to then propel a career in environmental policy. And this thought experiment really spoke to my past self. In my senior year, I remember vividly sitting in my climate and society class, poring over reports by the intergovernmental panel on climate change. And they summarized what would likely happen to the earth if we persisted in using fossil fuels at the rate we were now. And the promises were very bleak. Their forecast was intensified storms, melting ice caps and higher sea levels, the climate doom story. Sound familiar? But then, Shandak got us thinking about a world without fossil fuels. I loved how this exercise flipped the script. It centered on what good could come out of the innovations that we are currently pursuing. I was forced to remind myself that hopeful people are the ones on the ground. It's hope that has us out there doing great work and not fear. When I was first deciding to major in environmental studies, I myself struggled with identifying environmental optimism as a reality. A core memory of mine is me, in my sophomore year self, listening to my department head deliver a talk. He centered his speech on this quote by Paul Hawken that I'll leave you all with because it nicely sums up the episode we're revisiting. It's this quote that is my personal message to myself and to all who are moved to do meaningful work. If you look at the science about what is happening on Earth and aren't pessimistic, you don't understand the data. But if you meet the people who are working to restore this Earth and the lives of the poor and you aren't optimistic, you haven't got a pulse.
4: Hi, my name is Zach Torpy Now I'm a project manager for Aurora Water, their masters in environmental management from the University of Maryland Global Campus. I am a big believer in designing integrated systems and building with nature. The Earth has had billions of years to evolve its systems and has created some ingenious methods of managing its resources. I agree with Hannah Picard on the importance of positive messaging when discussing climate change. If we tell people that all is lost and give voice to defeatism, it pushes people to give up hope, and then all is indeed lost. We need to keep people inspired and motivated to fight for the future that they envision. When I envision a world without fossil fuels, I imagine biking to work in protected biking lanes. Traveling between connected and integrated communities, these communities provide the necessities where people live and are more connected to each other. I imagine hearing the sounds of animals and bugs everywhere, as these communities are designed to accommodate and support them. It is important to change people's perspectives and how they are thinking about climate change and the different futures that are available to us. Nothing is destined and every step we take now is worth a thousand more in the future. We are here to inspire action and change. I hope we can help in spreading that message.
7: Hi everyone, I'm Lila Powell, and I just graduated from William & Mary. I studied kinesiology, which is health science, and environmental policy. I'm interested in how environmental health affects human health, and I plan to pursue a master's in public health with a concentration in environmental health. Our health is intertwined with the environments, from air pollution affecting respiratory health to an absence of green spaces affecting mental health. It's all connected. And it can be really overwhelming to constantly hear what's going wrong and what needs to get fixed. So I really resonated with this episode's theme of imagining a better future. I imagine a future where I'm surrounded by nature. I want more public parks. I want more community gardens. I want flower patches. Remembering both sides, where you are and where you want to be, has helped me not get bogged down in climate gloom and doom. Sean's exercise does a great job getting you to remember what you're working towards. During my junior year, I took a science communications course. We worked on taking scientific articles and turning them into stories. Giving the research a narrative makes it more interesting. It helps readers or listeners better understand what they're learning. This train of thought connects to Hannah's hope for the future of climate communicators. We want to inspire hope in ourselves and in others. And we can do this by explaining climate goals in tangible terms to help people better grasp what they're working towards. Like Hannah said, we want to spread climate hope.
0: And what about you? What did this experiment stir up in your imagination? I want to hear from you. Feel free to email radio at citizensclimate.org or leave a voicemail of three minutes or less at 518-595-9414. Plus one if calling from outside the USA. That number again is 518 595 Nine four one four. Many thanks to the folks who read the responses about the future. These include Liz and Petra, Ann Piper, Tammy Simpson, Sally Stewart, Christine Robinson, Kathy Hobbiger, Philip Davis, Charlie Sullivan, Sharon Elliott, Ann Evans, Douglas Olieve, Ellen Wages, Wesley Jacobs, Wendy Slaughterbach, John Kelly Worrell, Carol Bates, Alice Jones, Steve Riga, Mike Cooper and Kathy Massis.
5: Hi, I'm Tamara Staton, CCL's Education and Resilience Coordinator, and this is The Resilience Corner. I want to do everything that I can to see that you have what you need to stay strong and steady in the important climate work that you're doing. Last month in The Corner, we reviewed five key steps to deepening resilience, noticing accepting, seeking help, practicing, and repeating that process regularly. And then we took a deeper look at that third step, seeking help. Once we're able to notice, accept, and get help where we need it, we are more able to take action in the ways that support our well-being. Which brings us to our focus today on the third step, practice. A number of years ago, I felt really burned out, and it was clear that I needed a break from some of my climate advocacy. I was struggling with if and how to step away, though. I was anxious about the hole that I might leave if I did. Creating some space was definitely a challenging decision, but creating this space ultimately helped me find the energy that propelled deeper climate work that is more personally fulfilling for me. This is the beauty of practicing resilience. When combined with a sense of self-awareness, it affords us opportunities that didn't exist before. Learning to say no, creating space and boundaries, slowing down or speeding up. Practice is similar to action, which we often talk about as being the antidote to despair. But unlike action, practice conveys a sense of regularity. It also sends the message that we don't have to get it right, that we can make mistakes and learn. In her fantastic book, Widen the Window, Elizabeth Stanley speaks to this value of practice. Rewiring the brain and body to improve our performance and build resilience, she says, requires an integrated training regimen and consistent practice over time. Just as muscle growth and improved cardiovascular functioning requires months of consistent physical exercise. Next month, we'll take a look at the last step, but for now, consider what practices might help you stay strong and focused in the phase of climate change. Then try one or two of them this week. These might be ongoing practices or something you try in the moment, like breathing deeply when you feel frustrated. Maybe you spend more time in nature or make time to read a book that you love. Maybe you set up a recurring lunch date with a friend or coworker. Or maybe, just maybe, it's all about creating more fun, laughter, and joy in your work. Whatever you choose, have faith in its value because we need you and your deep commitment to a livable planet Earth. I'm Tamara Staten with the Resilience Corner. I thank you for being here and for your commitment to progress. To learn more about tools, trainings, and resources for deepening resilience, check out our Resilience Hub at cclusa.org forward slash resilience. From there, you can also access and share Resilience Corner videos with friends and family who might be interested. And until next month, remember this. You are strong. You are resilient. And you've got what it takes to make good things happen.
0: Thank you so much for joining me for episode 80 of Citizens Climate Radio. Next month, Lillis Mellon-Ginyard will share her experiences alone in the wilderness. She is the author of the book, When Everything Beyond the Walls is Wild, Being a Woman Outdoors in America. Here at Citizens Climate Education, we want you to be effective in the climate work you do. So we provide training, local group meetings, and many resources. They're all designed to help you build the confidence and skills needed to pursue climate solutions. Find out how you can learn, grow, and connect with others who are engaged in meaningful work. Visit CCLUSA.org. That's CCLUSA.org. Special thanks to the members of our advisory board, Tamara Staten, Mickey Stanback, Kitty Sorkreski, Sharon Baglatel, Kaylee Roach, Solemi Hernandez, Hannah Rogers, Sean Degg, and Brett Cease. Citizens Climate Radio is written and produced by me, Peterson Toscano, other technical support from Ricky Bradley and Brett Cease, social media assistance from Ashley Hunt-Mortorano, Flannery Winchester, Kitty Zarkresky, and Steve Volk, creative input from Ruth Abraham, Lila Powell, and Zach Torpe. moral support from Madeline Perra. Visit cclusa.org to see our show notes and find links to our guests. Citizens Climate Radio is a project of Citizens Climate Education.